Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, it's great to see you. I, um, I've been traveling and I've been away, and uh, I just feel great to be, to be back here. And it's a real privilege to be able to share the Word of God with you. It's great to see some new faces here. Uh, there's some people that I haven't seen in a very long time, and we give you a very special welcome. Thanks for coming. Hope that today, as we look at the Scriptures, that God will bless our hearts and enrich our souls. So today, I want to start a whole new series. This is going to be the beginning of um, a new study, and um, I've prepared a lot for it, and I hope that it will really be a blessing to your souls. I have um, called this new series the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to do an in-depth study of the person of Jesus Christ. I want to walk through the gospels. And I want to see his life. I want to do a, a study on his miracles, his teachings, his power to save souls. I really want, over the next number of months, to do a, an in-depth study of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ as we go through the Gospels. I want to begin today where the Apostle John began. When he sat down with this momentous task to begin to share to the world who Jesus Christ is. You imagine, John, Peter, James, all the disciples, they walked with the Lord, and now they, they want to share this truth, who he is and what he did with the entire world. And John picks up the story in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. John 1 and 1. The life of Jesus Christ. Here's what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Stop right there. This is fundamental, essential truth. Jesus Christ is God. The beginning is the Word, He's with God, and it says right here, He is God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made by him. He is the creator. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him is life. Life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness overcame it not. Verse 8 says, He was the true light that lights every man that comes into the world. Catch verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world 
knew him not. He came unto his own, his own people, and they received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe in his name. Verse 14, the word, that is Jesus, God himself incarnate, was made flesh and dwelt among us. He took up his home here, planet Earth. And John says we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and of his fullness have all of us, we have all received of his fullness. And grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No one, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. He has revealed him. He has manifested forth who God is. God himself truly became human. The creator of the universe. He stepped into this world his hands had made and he was rejected. We're going to look at uh, John 17. I love this verse. John 17 and verse 3. And this is life eternal. This is eternal life. Can you take that in? This is eternal life to know God. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It is life eternal to know Jesus Christ. Last reading is going to be in John chapter 20 and verse 29. We're picking up this scene where Jesus is risen from the dead and he has visited Thomas and Thomas is completely blown away and, and he cannot believe that the risen Christ is standing before him. Jesus says to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. And here's a phrase for us. Blessed are those who have not seen physically, yet have believed. And many, yes, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. I am sure that as I speak to you today, there are many of you probably most of you that already know him. Praise God. If you are in this audience today and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, 
that's awesome. You have eternal life. And as we heard this morning, the best is yet to come. Gets better and better and better. If you already know him, my prayer and my deepest desire is, as we go through this study, that you will get to know him better. That you will have a deeper, more meaningful, more impacted, deeper faith in Jesus Christ. You know that Paul said decades after he already believed on him, he said, my, my greatest desire is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, Philippians 3. But you may be in this audience today and you don't know him. You've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior. My greatest desire, God knows my heart, my greatest desire is that every person that hears the gospel will come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I challenge you today, do you know him? Why is that so critically important? Because to know him is to have eternal life. If you don't know him, you have temporary life. Yeah, it will end at the moment of your death and then there will be the second death. But the good news of the gospel is you can know Jesus Christ. You can, you can have a personal relationship with him. And my desire is, as I go through this study, that every one of us will come to know Jesus Christ better. So over the next number of months, I don't know how long this is going to take, but it doesn't really matter. Over the next number of months, I plan to do an in-depth study of the person of Jesus Christ. I want to look at his life, his miracles, his parables, his teaching, his power to save, his ability to heal and forgive sins. He is such a unique person. But as we look at this study, and we look at the life of Jesus Christ, there's something especially that I'd like you to see. I'd like you to see his deepest desire to connect with sinners, with the marginalized, the broken, the wounded, and ultimately, his desire is that lives would be changed that he would give them hope and joy and peace and everlasting life. So as we walk through the Gospels, I'm going to invite you with me to literally follow his steps. Follow his steps. We're going to look at the places that Jesus visited. We're going to look at the teachings. We're going to look at the way that he impacted so many lives. And hopefully, as we learn more about Jesus, we'll get to know him better. We'll love him more. Our hearts, our hearts, not just our minds or our intellect, our hearts will be united to Jesus Christ. So, 
I want to answer some pretty vital, critical, eternal questions as we walk through this study. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? Why did he come into the world? Did he really exist eternally before his natural birth in Bethlehem? Was he just a prophet, as Islam says? Was he just a good teacher, a great example? An inspirational leader? Or do you believe that he is the sovereign Lord of the universe? What exactly did he teach? Is he the great I am, the Lord Jehovah of the Old Testament? Is he? We're going to look at that. Was his death planned out? Was it known by God in every detail, the events of that day? Was it really predetermined, planned out by God before the world began? That's what the Bible says. Do you think it's true? Here's one that is an essential question for every one of us. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Because that is the cornerstone, the foundation of Christianity. The answer to that question in your own heart, if you believe in him as the resurrected Christ who died for your sins and has gone back to heaven, if you have placed your faith and trust in him, then you have eternal life. Because the Bible says this is the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. And the word of God says, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10 and 9. Why does it matter? Like, seriously. We are up here today doing an in-depth study about a person that lived and died in A.D. 33. Why does it even matter? Has he impacted your life? Does it really matter that he is the almighty God who became a man, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin? Tell me, is it important that he never sinned? And to use... Warren's word that he was impeccable. It is critically important because it proves that he's God. Was the death of Jesus Christ a tragedy? We're going to look at that as we walk through the Gospels. Was it just an injustice? Did Jesus die as a martyr? Did Jesus die because his teachings were opposed by the religious leaders? 
and he was handed over to Pilate, and Pilate was frustrated and, and just wanted to content the people and, and, and cause there to be not a fuss and an uproar and just deliver him up to be crucified. Is that why Jesus died? Or did Jesus Christ come into the world with the express purpose to die for sinners? I tell you, the gospel is this. This is a faithful saying. Worthy to be accepted by all that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know what I want to tell you today? I am thankful from the depths of my heart that he came. You know why? Because he came for me. I found out as a very young man that when I was a guilty sinner and when I had no hope and nothing that I could ever do to change or to get rid of my own sin, God loved me and he died upon a cross so I could be forgiven of my sins. And I'm here to tell you today that that is personally true for each and every person that is willing to accept him as their Lord and Savior. He loves you. He came from heaven. He died on likely the first Friday of April, A.D. 33, outside the city of Jerusalem, and he died for you. He knew your sin. He knew every evil atrocity that every human being would ever commit in the history of mankind, and he loved us, and he took upon himself our sin and he bore it in his own body so you and I and everyone who believes in him can have eternal life. Folks, this is the gospel. The gospel is the person, life, and work of Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you believe in him? This is the essential question of your life. You get this question right, and you got everything. You get this question wrong, and it doesn't matter what you attain in your whole life, you've lost everything the moment that you die. So my challenge to you today is, who is Jesus Christ? Why did he come? And do you have a personal relationship with him? You ever wonder why 2.3 billion people in the world today confess that they believe in Jesus Christ and they call themselves Christians. 2.3 billion people in the world today believe in this person, Jesus Christ. Why? Because like I read in John chapter 17, this is eternal life, to know him, to know the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom God sent. You know what is totally amazing is you today can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal relationship. Well, there's 2.3 billion people, so how can I, I mean, I'm just one of those number of people that, no, you as an individual in your own heart before God can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know how that happens? By coming to church. No. Do you know how that happens? By uh, getting baptized. No. You know how that happens? By being the best person that you can be and, and trying never to sin. 
Good luck. No. Do you know how that happens? By faith alone believing in Jesus Christ. Because none of us deserve to be saved. None of us. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's a gift. The gift of God. Not of our works. Lest any man should boast. God wants to give you today a gift. A gift that is eternal. And it comes by simply trusting Jesus Christ for yourself. And going back to my question, do you know him? I love that little track that we have. We, we give it out so often on a Friday night. Do you know him? Jesus Christ, whom to know is life eternal. So as we walk through the Gospels, I'm going to give you a, a little... Um, a little foretaste, we'll say, of things that I really would like to look at. I want to talk about the fact that Jesus Christ is God. He is eternal in his person. He is equal in his Godhead. He revealed the Father. All that we know of God has come to us through the person of Jesus Christ. The Word of God the life of Jesus Christ. He showed us what light is. comes from God. He showed us what life is. All things were made by him. He came to give us abundant life. He showed us what love is, true love. Not, not, not man's love, not this kind of fickle thing that comes and goes. No, God's agape love. Love for the unlovable that never stops loving. He showed us what love is. Do you know that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God? Think about that. No man has seen God at any time, we read. The only begotten who's in the bosom of the Father has come to declare him, to, to show him forth. He is the image of the invisible God. I want to share with you as we go through this study his teachings. Those are critical. You know, one thing that he taught in John chapter 3? He taught the new birth. You know what he said to Nicodemus? It's a religious man. You have to be born again. We're going to look at that. That's what Jesus said. You must be born again. He taught incredible things on the Mount of Beatitudes. Things that are just not human. To try to follow his teachings in your own power and your own strength, you would never do it. You need the Spirit of God inside of you to empower you to carry out his teachings. He taught the mysteries of the kingdom. What, what's going to happen in the future? He taught that he is the great I am. There's seven great I am's in John's gospel. He taught them all. That he is the Lord Jehovah of the Old Testament. You know, we see Christ before he came. I don't know if you realize that. The Christophanies. The appearances before incarnation that Jesus Christ visited this world. Abraham saw him. What? Seriously? Seriously. 
Before Abraham was, I am. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it, was glad. Jesus Christ is eternal. He taught that there are four types of soil in every one of our hearts. What type of soil do you have? It's a challenge to all of us. I would to God that we would have rich, fertile soil as we walk through the Gospels and see the person of Jesus Christ, that we would all be enriched by him, believe in him, trust him, and let his presence grow up in our hearts and in our lives. That's what this is all about. Did Jesus pay taxes? He said, show me a penny. Yeah, Jesus paid taxes. Should we pay taxes? He taught, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and unto God that which is God's. His power and authority. You know, Jesus was counterculture. He rattled the authority. Absolutely rattled them. First of all, he didn't come up through the pharisaical schooling. How does this man have such power and authority having never learned? Having never learned. Brought up in a peasant family in this despised city of Nazareth, an outcast. Who is Jesus? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? But when he spoke, the wind, the waves, the sea obeyed him. They laughed him to scorn when he said, she's not dead. I'm going to call her. She's going to rise from the dead. Impossible. Guess what? She that was dead rose up. Lazarus, four days in the grave. The power and authority that Jesus had. I want to look at some amazing stories about people who believed in him. Why do I want to look at that? Because I'm hoping that you, every one of you, and me, myself too, as I walk through this, this is going to be great for me too, that every one of us could see ourselves where some of these people are and believe in him just like they did and experience the rich, changed life. Woman of Samaria, She's got quite a history. Go call your husband. I got no husband. Yeah, right. You've had five husbands. I perceive you're a prophet. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that speaks to you, you would ask him. He would give you living water. That is awesome. When we go through John chapter 4, I'm going to love it. That is awesome. Do you have living water? Do you have this life, this gift that God has given everyone who believes in him? How about this woman who's a sinner? And Simon in, in uh, Luke chapter 7 is saying, if this guy's a prophet, he would know the woman that's touching him is a sinner. Oh, yeah? Simon, I have something to say to you. Oh, say on, master. You know what? Jesus knows thoughts, hearts, intents, motives, and he looks right down into our souls and he puts his finger on the issue. This woman whose sins that were many were forgiven her. How about the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years and, and she's just kind of creeping through the crowd trying not to be noticed. She reaches up and she touches the hem of his garment and immediately she's healed. Oh, that was great. Jesus says, who touched me? The woman is trembling and she's all upset. 
you know what? Everybody who believes in Jesus Christ is changed. They receive his power. They receive the forgiveness of sins. Whatever the issues are that are caused by sin and destruction, his power to heal. How about this guy that Jesus is in the, in, in the house and they can't get in and there's all these people there and they, these four people, they go down, they uncover the tiles and they drop this guy down and Jesus says, get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven you. Everybody's like, oh, who, who can forgive sins but God alone? Exactly. Jesus Christ is God. That you may know that he has power on earth to forgive sins. His power and authority. How about in the, the synagogue in, in Capernaum? I, I absolutely love this. You know, you go to Mark chapter 1, and, and the, the Pharisees are there, and they're, they're looking at this man, and, and uh, Jesus says, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Everybody's speechless. That was against the religion. They didn't do that. And they look at him, and Jesus looked at this man, and he said, stretch forth your hand. And the man stretched forth his hand and immediately was healed. His power and authority. He casts out demons, and the demons are terrified of him. We know you, the Holy One, the Messiah. He has power and authority. How about Mary of Bethany? When she comes in Mark chapter 14 and she, she breaks out this alabaster box and she pours it over him, she believed in him. Her heart was changed. Her life was changed. And Jesus said everywhere that this gospel is preached, it's a memorial of her. See, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is changed forever. They have a connection with God. How about Mary, Martha, Mary's sister? Lazarus is sick. Jesus loves Lazarus. He's away. He stays away. Four days later, he's dead. And it's, it's done. It's over. And Jesus comes to Bethany. And <laughs> they say to him, you know, if you had been here, this would not have happened. Jesus said, oh yeah? Even now, if you believe, oh, yeah, 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 I, I know that we'll all rise. No, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will never die. Never die. And then he turns to Martha and he says, do you believe this? Jesus is, was, and is to come the resurrection, and the life. And everyone who believes in him will never die. I, I, I am thrilled to go through this study because as I look at it and prepare it, it draws my heart nearer to the Lord Jesus. And my desire is that your heart will be drawn closer to him. Thomas. Thomas says, unless I see, I will not believe. I will not believe. Impossible. No one can rise from the dead. They said, look, we saw him. You weren't there. We saw him. Thomas shows up eight days later. Jesus walks through the doors, stands in the midst, shows Thomas 
his nail prints in his hands and his side. And he says, Thomas, take your hand, touch it. Be not faithless, but believing. Blessed are those that have never seen, yet have believed. That is you. You read about Jesus, and you believe in him. And you are blessed abundantly. Even though we've never seen with these physical eyes, we know him. We know him by faith. Okay, I want to just take the next couple of slides and just show you some places that uh, I'd really like to do a study on. Real quick, we'll go through a bunch of these slides. Bethlehem. What's so amazing about Bethlehem? This was the, the moment of incarnation when God became truly human. Entered the womb of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what happened at Bethlehem? The impossible happened. Yeah. God became a man. That's impossible. Mary became pregnant without having any any intercourse with a man. That's impossible. But you know what Mary says in Luke chapter 2? She says, with God, all things are possible. When we get to Bethlehem, we're going to look at the incarnation and we're going to look at the impossible that happened at Bethlehem. How about this, the day that Jesus visited Jerusalem? What a great story. You know, Jesus visited Jerusalem many times. The first time he was eight days old. And he's taken up by Simeon, this godly man. And Simeon pronounces prophecy that Jesus is a light, a light that's come into the world to lighten the Gentiles. That's the gospel. How about the next time you see Jesus in Jerusalem? He's 12 years old. He goes up to the temple. His parents are gone, and he's there answering questions and discussing the law and the prophets and the Old Testament with the scholars. And finally, frantically, the parents find him. What are you doing? And he says, what's the problem? Don't you know? I must be about my father's business. Amazing. We'll look at that. Nazareth. You know what's so amazing about Nazareth? You don't read much about it. The silent years of the life of Jesus Christ. Those are deep, profound truths that we can learn in those silent years of obscurity where Jesus was brought up. One day Jesus walked into a synagogue where he was brought up in Nazareth. And they looked at him like the carpenter's son. And he takes the scroll down. And there's an amazing story about that because they read consecutively. Jesus shows up on the very day that they're reading the prophecy that's about to be fulfilled about him. And he says, the Spirit of God has anointed me to preach the gospel. He says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. And the eyes of the people were fastened on him. They looked at him and said, is he saying that he's the Messiah? He's uh, the carpenter. So what do they do? Grab him. That's it. We're going to put an end to him. 
and they rush out of the city, and they go to the brow of the hill, and they try to push him over down to the valley of Jezreel. And do you know what Jesus does? He walks through their midst. I, I don't know how that happened, but this is what I think. I could be wrong. I think that Jesus, who controls everything, just simply rearranged the molecules of his body and just passed through them, and, and, and they went to grab him, and they couldn't grab him. He walked through their midst. Amazing. Nazareth. We're going to look at that. Jordan. Why did Jesus get baptized? It certainly wasn't for the washing away of any sins. And it wasn't for repentance. It was to fulfill all righteousness. We're going to look at Jordan. And how on that day, Jesus is presented to the world as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world, the fulfillment of every Old Testament Lamb that was sacrificed. Jesus is the Lamb, the Lamb of God. The Judean wilderness. Some of you have probably been here. This is a stark place. It is, there's such a sense of solitude. Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. When we go through this, I, I want to talk about temptation. Because I think that every single one of us experience temptation, just like Jesus did, except he never succumbed. He couldn't succumb because he's God. But he was tested to prove that he was holy, sinless, pure, the impeccable Christ. We're going to look at that. How about the Sea of Galilee? Oh, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. I know that some of you have been there. The call for the disciples to become fishers of men. The day when Jesus stood on those shores and, and took a little boy's lunch and broke it open and fed 5,000, five loaves and two fishes. And then he said, I want to teach you something. I am the bread of God, which came down from heaven. Everyone who believes in me will never hunger and will never thirst. The Sea of Galilee, there's a lot of lessons that can be learned at the Sea of Galilee. We're going to look at Capernaum. I have been here and stood in these remains. The remains of the synagogue in Capernaum. We're going to see his authority and his power in that very place to cast out demons. We're going to look at Gennesaret. This was, today it's called Tabga. This is where Jesus fed the 5,000 and where he taught the Beatitudes, the Mount of Beatitudes that are so enriching to our souls. We're going to look at that. We're going to do a study on Bethany where Jesus visited this little village two miles um, outside of the city of Jerusalem and where Lazarus was raised from the dead and where Jesus ascended from. The Mount of Transfiguration. I don't know, by the way, if this is the mount. This is Mount Tabor. It could be Mount Hermon, Caesarea Philippi. We're not 100% sure. But if it's Mount Tabor, look at this mountain. It stands as a monument in the middle of a massive valley 
And Jesus was transfigured before his disciples. They saw his glory unveiled. He takes them up this mountain six days before he's about to be crucified, and he says, I'm going to show you something. And guess what? Peter and the disciples, they fall asleep. What? I mean, if Jesus is about to reveal his power and his glory, they fall asleep. But you know what it says? When they were awake, they saw his glory. Could I ask you today, are you awake spiritually? I mean spiritually. Are you awake Because when we are awake and focused, we see the glory of Jesus Christ. It's awesome. We're going to look at that. The Mount of Olives. This is from the point where you're standing on the Mount of Olives looking at the city. This is a picture of what it looks like today. At the very top of the Mount of Olives, you can see the Temple Mount. And you can see the um, Valley of Kidron. And down to the right is where the Garden of Gethsemane is. But the Mount of Olives is the spot that Jesus stood and wept over the city. Do you know why he wept? Because these people missed it. He came to his own as we read. They rejected him. He reached out to them. He said, how often I would have gathered you. I want to bless you. And you know what they did? They turned away from him. I hope there's nobody here doing that today in your life. Folks, if Jesus Christ is calling you, if he's drawing you, if he wants blessing to give you in your life, don't turn away from him. He loves you. He has come to visit this world with his grace, his mercy, and his salvation. And he's calling today. He was presented to the nation of Israel as their king. That day, they actually acknowledged him. A few days later, They cried, crucify him. We don't want this one to reign over us. Just let him be crucified. We'll take Barabbas. The fickle hearts of the people. The Mount of Olives is an amazing spot. Gethsemane. You know, uh, I'm probably most touched by Gethsemane. When you think of the agony of prayer that the Lord Jesus had, you know, it is a sight of suffering and a sight of surrender. And every one of us in our lives must come to our own Gethsemane. We must come to the point where we are willing to lay our life down and be fully surrendered to God. To say, Lord, have your own way in my life. If I need to bear reproach for you, if I need to stand on the street corner and preach the gospel and be spit upon or punched, or if I need to bear ridicule or reproach, mockery in school or at work or whatever I need to do to bear reproach for Christ, I need to remember what he did for me. And to get to that point where I am willing to surrender my life to him because God can pick you up. God can use you. A surrendered life to God is an amazing life that God could use all for his glory. Great deep teachings at Gethsemane. These are the steps of Caiaphas's house. They say that these steps have been there for 2,000 years. I've walked up these steps. If that is true, then the Lord Jesus Christ walked up these steps. This was the place at 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning that they had a mock trial. And 
They couldn't even align their accusations against Jesus to put him to death. This is also the place of Peter's denial, where he said, I will never deny you. And yet at this place, he said, I, I don't even know this man. You know, there's tremendous teaching at this place. We're going to look at that. Gabbatha. This is the judgment seat where Pilate sat that day with his dilemma. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? Have you answered that question? You, personally. Every one of us have to answer this question. Neutral you cannot be. He's either going to be your Lord and your Savior, and you're going to love Him, and you're going to worship Him, and you're going to be with Him forever, or you're going to reject Him. And you're going to be cast out. This is a great question, searching question. And Pilate that day made the wrong decision, delivered him up to the will of the people, and they took Jesus and they led him to Skull Hill. We're going to do an in-depth study of Golgotha where they crucified him. And what an amazing place. You can visit this place today. The garden tomb looks pretty nice there. I'm sure it didn't look like that back in A.D. 33. But this is an amazing place because this is where Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he is not here. His body is not there. He is in heaven. And because of that, we who believe in him are justified from all things that nothing else could justify us from. Praise God that Jesus Christ is alive today and he's risen from the dead. I'm going to close with this verse. We read it at the beginning. You know, there are so many things that Jesus did. How could you ever exhaust a study of the life and work and miracles and teaching of Jesus Christ? He's the infinite God and we are so finite. We could never exhaust this subject. But this is what John said. Many other things Jesus did that are not written in this book. But these are written. These are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Why is that so important? Because believing you might have life through his name. Do you know him? I hope that every one of us today, as we walk away from this place, walk away with renewed personal faith in Jesus Christ, because that's life eternal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come together to look at the life and person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you sent him into this world to die for our sin. We thank you that he rose from the dead, that he is alive today, and that every person who believes in him has eternal life. We thank you for this, and we just pray that you would help us to be enriched by this and bless us in our souls and renew our faith. And if there's any here today that do not know him, I pray that they would confess their sins to God, repent and believe on Jesus Christ, and know what it is to have eternal life by believing in his name. Part us with your blessing, I pray, as we give thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.